You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. This is Jackson Brown, and you're listening to The Nicole Sandler Show. Hey, this is John from Five for Fighting, and you got my buddy, my longtime friend, the lovely Nicole Sandler. Hi, this is Donald Fagan. And this is Walter Becker. You know, Steely Dan. And you're listening to Nicole Sandler. Hey, this is Jake Slichter. John Munson. Dan Wilson. We are Semisonic. And you're listening to Nicole Sandler. Hi, this is Melissa Etheridge, and you're listening to my friend, Nicole Sandler. Hey, how you doing out there? This is Ziggy Marley, and you're listening to Nicole Sandler. Hey, everybody, this is Pat Monahan from the band Train, and you're listening to Nicole Sandler, my favorite on-air personality. The Nicole Sandler Show. Music to my ears. All right, since today we have Dave Mason on the show, I thought I'd start with a fun musical intro. Uh, but before we get there, we got a lot to talk about. So... Welcome to a Friday. Um, what, and it all centers around what's happening this weekend. This weekend, it's like the, 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 the stars collided or something. Let me tell you about all the anniversaries and all the days that are of some import that happened this weekend. Beginning today. Today is the second anniversary of Joe Biden's inauguration. So that's something, right? That's, that's today, Friday. Tomorrow, Saturday, January 21st. You know what? I'm going to end on that. We'll come back to Saturday in a second. Sunday. Sunday is, first of all, the, the, the Chinese New Year, the Lunar New Year. Sunday starts the Year of the Rabbit. We say goodbye to the Year of the Tiger. Big celebrations everywhere. Sunday also marks the 50th anniversary of the Supreme Court ruling on Roe v. Wade. It ruled that a person may choose to have an abortion until a fetus becomes viable. It's based on the right to privacy that's contained in the due process clause of the 14th Amendment. Um, sadly, of course, today's extreme court overturned that overturned Roe just shy of this 50th anniversary and his decision leaked in May, just weeks before it would be officially announced. The, uh, today, I bring that part up because today we learned that the court's investigators were unable to identify just who leaked the decision. I think I know, but I have no proof. So, you know, don't take my word that it was Samuel Alito. Just saying. Um, But we talked about that yesterday. Um, Now let's go back to what tomorrow is. Tomorrow 
is January 21st. Two things happened tomorrow, 10 years ago, I'm sorry, 13 years ago tomorrow. First, earlier in the day, the Supreme Court handed down its decision on Citizens United, basically saying, you know, money is uh, money is speech. You know, people are corporations. Corporations are people, my friend. Yeah. The court ruled five to four that the free speech clause of the First Amendment prohibits the government from restricting independent expenditures for political campaigns by corporations that includes nonprofit groups, labor unions and other associations, basically throwing the door wide open to dark money and unbridled super PACs. So it was a dagger in the heart of our freedom of speech. That happened 13 years ago, tomorrow in the afternoon. A few hours later came the big dagger as we learned that Air America Radio had filed for bankruptcy and was shutting down, ceased operations 13 years ago tomorrow. January 21st, 2013 especially, bad day for our right to free speech. So that brings us to our first guest. If you're here for Dave Mason, stick around. We will start that in about 15 minutes. But I want to bring on my friend and the uh, the one of the guys who runs Progressive Voices, John Sinton, who was um, uh, the original program director of Air America Radio. Hey, John. Hi, Nicole. Nice How, to see you. Nice to see you, too. There was a, That was a long, convoluted intro. But, um, yeah, so 13 years ago tomorrow, Air America Radio went dark. And, and you were not there. You had already been gone. You were there at the beginning of Air America. So I wanted to get your thoughts on how far we've come or not <laughs> in the in the last 13 years yeah it's a good question it's a fair question um you know i think by virtue of rachel mm-hmm. uh rachel maddow who uh you know has turned out to be a big star no surprise to any of us and uh by virtue of the fact that um al franken was in the United States Senator mm-hmm. uh, in the United States Senate that we launched him from Air America, so I, th- I think that was good. <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, Mark Marin, our former yes. uh, original morning guy, um, kind of was the first successful big uh, um, podcast that wasn't a true crime kind of thing, right? So you know, I, you know, I'm a silver lining guy. I guess I can always find something to be positive about. But the truth of the matter, Nicole, is that uh, the right wing uh, conservative reactionary talk radio, you know, mostly following Rush Limbaugh, you know, that was we we were, I, I guess we were never really going to catch up. Mm-hmm. Now, we did debut on over 100 radio stations on March 31st of 2004. And, uh, you know, Al was on The Daily Show and Letterman and uh, Leno and uh, uh, Liz uh, Liz Winstead, who right. I had hired to do the entertainment side of it, and Shelley Lewis, who we brought in to do the news side of it. Uh, we're on the cover of the Washington Post wow. Sunday magazine. Wow. And uh, uh, I think Shelley was on the Today Show, which she used to be the executive of which she used to be the executive producer. So, you know, we got a lot of stuff done. Um, 
And yet it doesn't feel like we got anything done. And so I'll just tell you a, a quick story. I spent all of 2003 uh, raising money to get Air America started and to pay uh, talent and you know, uh, facility fees and all that kind of stuff. And, um, it really took a year, raised a bunch of money. And <clears throat> when one of the people that we raised money from turned out to be a fraud, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a guy who is now in federal prison, by the way. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, he defrauded any number of other people after us. And, uh, you know, I think shame on us and shame on everybody else who ever trusted him afterwards. Anyway, he came to us very highly recommended and seemed to be well, well vetted. And we were going at 100 miles an hour. Shouldn't have taken the money that he, it turns out, he stole from the Boys and Girls Clubs oh, of, uh, uh, of, I want to say, the Bronx. Oh, man. Anyway, um, it was a nightmare. And so as the founding president and creator of Air America Radio, that kind of all fell on my shoulders and... So we were turning the uh, vending machines upside down to shake out the change and see if we couldn't make payroll. And, uh, you know, our evening host was the actor and comedian Janine Garofalo. Right. And so one day I'm walking down Lower Fifth Avenue, and I mean, I've got a hangdog expression and things are not good. Um, we've been on the air for all of five weeks. Our audience numbers are tremendous. We're doing about three and a half million people at any given moment. And, uh, you know, maybe not competitive with Russia's 12 million people, but we were on our way there. And uh, anyway, I'm walking down Fifth at Lower Fifth Avenue and I'm kind of hangdog. And I practically walk into Janine, who's a little tiny thing, and she's walking her two giant dogs. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, she goes, hey, what's the matter? And I told her, well, this guy, Evan, has gotten us in all kinds of trouble. I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep this thing in the air. And she grabbed me by the lapels. <clears throat> it was wintertime. Remember very distinctly, it was cold in New York City. It was actually a cold late April day, which is unusual. And she grabs me by the lapels. And she says, look, if this thing dies tomorrow, we kicked down the door. And we've got good people out here. And this will not be the end of progressive media. And, you know, it's, it turns out she was right. Yeah, well, yes, she was. Um, but we, progressive media is still, you know, the fact that we're not on the public airwaves anymore, for the most part. I mean, there are a few stations still out there, but it, the number is dwarfed. It's, it's, it's minute compared to the number of radio stations that air this right-wing hate talk 24-7. Um, so and so we're on the internet. We're you know you so you left Air America. At what what year did you leave? Well, I think I left at the beginning of two thousand. My deal with Al Franken was that I'd stay as long as he did. Ah, and um, so when he declared because we were on commercial radio stations, we had to take him off the air, and that's when I left. It was early two thousand seven, right? And it was it was long before I got there. I was just there in the final year, in the you know picking up the ashes of Air America, doing my show from here in Florida. So I was right. never part of it really, but I came in at the tail end. But I was a yeah. listener from the beginning, and you know it's a shame that again bad people spoil things. But it, there was the start of something really great, and it's a shame that nobody else that the big money interests on the left 
do not support progressive media. They do mm-hmm. on the right. The, the, our counterparts on the right, they're all over it. That's why mm-hmm. there's so much. That's why they're so present all over the airwaves and all over the Internet. And we're just left fending for ourselves. So it's a scrappy kind of thing we have going here. It's sad uh, because there Thank is you. money on the left. They just yeah. don't. Yeah. Well, the, the, our, our big joke, as this guy named Javier Sardé and I were traveling the country raising money, was that, well, we, we know a lot of rich liberals. It's just apparently that none of them have any money. Uh, we, we could, you know, we had some wonderful investors uh, uh, like Rob Reiner. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Hollywood was was pretty good for us. And even on the East Coast, you know, George Soros put a little money in. Um, but the big money, I, I, I had gone to Chicago a few months before we debuted at the invitation of Bill Clinton. And uh, he was giving a speech in one of the Hyatts uh, in Chicago. And so we we stood toe-to-toe backstage for about 15 minutes, which was a, a very intense experience, mm-hmm. I, I have to say. Um, and he, <clears throat> it was mostly lip service. And I had been with Hillary sometime before that in D.C. And she was like, let me get you with Bill because he's he knows all these guys with money. And uh, so anyway, he said... Oh yeah, I think we can get this done, but you know the 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 Ron Burkle money never materialized, and uh, you know fortunately, as I say, fortunately for us, Hollywood, Norman Lear, and f- folks like that, uh, Larry David, um, those those folks stepped up, and that's what got us started, and then <clears throat> ultimately, when our bad investor um, forced us into the first bankruptcy. Um, we were Carl Ginsburg, who was our COO. He right. and I were able to wrangle a, a, a bunch of money um, from some really wonderful investors uh, like Rob Glazer, who uh, uh, kind of invented streaming with a company mm. called Real Networks. Oh, sure. And he had worked for Microsoft at some time and he left and they accused him of stealing that technology from them. And he proved in court that, that they didn't own it and he did and they owed him. $700 million. Wow. So Rob, who was already rich, got a lot richer, and he stepped up in a big way. Oh, and, good. And, well, yeah, there's not not much that you can say about Rob, except that he and the people that he brought along repaid the Boys and Girls Clubs and kept us on the air. Oh, wow. Uh, so lo- really lovely people. But I think that the idea was really valid. But the thing, Nicole was that we were in this weird space in time that was right before Internet 2.0. So the Internet wasn't quite ready nope. to stream audio and video in a, in a way that was meaningful and fast enough. There just wasn't the bandwidth. Right. Um, and at the same time, uh, we can only get on AM radio stations, and they, as you know, are the province of the 65-plus. Yep. And uh, um, and our audience was much younger than typical AM radio. Um, but w- as I say, we, we, you know, we debuted on a hundred radio stations and that was very helpful. Um, but we were in this weird moment in time that was before streaming was viable and smartphones had, r- r- weren't even, uh, uh, on the market yet. I right. think Jobs no, they really were iPhone in yeah. what, 2007, um, so I, I think it was a combination of great Being too idea, early. Yeah. good execution. People seem to love Air America, 
Um, and really, what? Why do businesses fail? They get undercapitalized. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you know, the, at the end of the day, that was it. But again, had we not had the expense of being on all those radio stations and just been able to put up a streaming service, you know, I think things would have been different. But we were ahead of our time. Right. And now um, uh, you run along with uh, with uh, George and Reed, you run Progressive Voices, progressivevoices.com with a lot of the same people that were on right. Air America. Stephanie wasn't on Air America, but you got Stephanie, you got Tom, you got Randy, followed by me, Leslie Marshall, and and it goes on. Um yeah. and and it's uh it's a you got an app. Um it's it's not easy, but it's it's at least something, right? We got something well, that, out that's there. That's true, and it's um, you know we have wonderful partners that tune in, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we we do about eight hundred thousand unique listeners a month, um, which is you know which is not a pittance. No, uh, it's pretty good, and uh, uh, you know, but it's. Um, and it is kind of Air America 2.0, right. or maybe a 0.3.0, because so much of the talent is is former Air Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we, we we do it as it's a dot com, but Progressive Voices Institute is a nonprofit 501c3, and that's been helpful to us because it allows uh, foundations to support us a little bit and help us, you know, buy the technology that we need and keep it on the air. For for Reed and George and me, it's this wasn't a hey. I think we can get rich doing this. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know we we had already learned that lesson. This is not someplace you're going to get rich. Um, but we did feel an obligation to continue to represent progressive values on the media. And and it's great that that you exist. Look, it, I was doing my own thing since the day air america went off the air 13 years ago tomorrow i just moved online you stream at the time it wasn't even youtube then doing regular daily stream it was on Ustream, and listeners followed and you know and then you brought me on board at uh at progressive voices what six years ago now almost um and so i i it was 2016 or 2015 2015 i think somewhere in there yeah, i think 2015 i was going to say it was more like seven years because you Maybe. and i both had other yeah. stuff happen in between right. and that yes seems yeah like i might have been seven years ago now but anyway yeah. I, I i'm so grateful to have the outlet and i want i didn't want tomorrow's anniversary to go by unrecognized because Air America Radio was a big deal. It was really important. Uh, I just, if you Google Air America Radio, it will bring up really early, like Rachel Maddow, when she was just doing the radio show, before she got got hair down to her shoulders, kind of on reliable sources with Howie Kurtz and Mm -hmm. some Michael Medved or some right-wing host. But there's Rachel, very young, very innocent looking um and you found her really and brought her to us and you're keeping it going and i know there's not a lot of reward there financially and everything but i wanted to recognize the work you did and thank you for it uh and thank you for the outlet and thank you for making this outlet available to us well you're you're awfully sweet and uh i just you know on the one hand uh i have a lot of gratitude to you and to all of the talent that has stuck it out and known what's really good for America and the fact that we need to represent these progressive voices, which is why we named it what we did. And, uh, and, and to my partners, George and Reed, uh, 
you know, it's we're 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 full of gratitude. We we of course we wish that we had twenty million listeners and yeah. that you know that we were all getting rich. But this is definitely the next best thing. Definitely. Definitely. And I hate that I have to cut this short, but I do because I taped this interview with Dave Mason on Monday and it's a set length and I got to get to it um, or we're going to run over as I know I tend to do occasionally and I don't mean to. But um, uh, John Sinton, he's the guy behind Air America, uh, behind, well, Air America and Progressive Voices. And uh, I just wanted to recognize the contribution because it's really important. And thank you for it. Hey, Nicole, thank you so much. Oh, I thank appreciate you. your having me. All right, John. We'll talk again soon when I have Indeed. more time. All yeah. right. Thanks okay. so much. Bye-bye. You bet. Uh, John Sinton, everybody. And go check out ProgressiveVoices.com. If that's not how you're listening to us, you get it's like a whole radio station. It's just we're all doing it from wherever we are and uh, doing it on, um, you know, virtually instead of at a, at a place. This is 21st century uh, radio, I suppose. All right. Now. The moment we've been waiting for. Dave Mason, I, this, this interview, you're, I'm going to play it in just a moment. We recorded it Monday morning. So David Crosby was still alive. So David Crosby will not be mentioned in this interview, though you'll hear we do talk a little bit about Christine McVie and uh, Jeff Beck, both who recently died. The name of Dave Mason's tour is the Endangered Species Tour for obvious reasons, and we'll get into that as well. So I just wanted to mention that. And also, um, uh, I got to tell you this, because, you know, when I do an interview, I don't edit, when I pre-tape something, I don't edit it in advance, like, because something didn't sound right. So you'll hear, we get off to a kind of a slow start. I'm thinking, oh, shit, he really does not want to be here. It starts, the worst thing for an interviewer is when you're, interviewee answers in like yes no answers like okay this is going to be pulling teeth and that's how it felt at the beginning i'm thinking oh shit all right well this is not going to go well but you'll see throughout the course of the interview he warms up and by the end of it we're buds i'm going to see him wednesday night Uh, i think he just needed to know that i wasn't some schlocky radio dj you know I don't know. I don't know. But he won't, maybe he just woke up. It was early. It was 11 o'clock Monday morning, which for a rock star is early. And as you'll see, he's on the bus. All right. So with that, with no further ado, uh, let's roll the tape. And now I just got to start the tape. There we go. I can't tell you how excited I am for today's guest. Um, I've been listening to Dave Mason's music since... Well, uh, junior high and high school, I grew up in South Florida, and Dave Mason was part of that soundtrack, and I'm so honored to welcome him to the show today. Uh, sir, welcome. It, it looks like you're on a bus. Yeah, on my bus, yes. You're getting ready to embark on yet another tour. It's the Endangered Species Tour, yes? Yes. And are you headed from the West Coast where you live out to the East Coast where the tour begins? We are in, uh, right now I'm in West Jefferson, North Carolina. Oh boy. Um, so, so we're actually taping this on Monday morning. It's, uh, it's, uh, January 16th. The tour kicks off on the 19th, right? Just in a couple of days in North Carolina. Yes. 
Oh, in Atlanta, uh, in Atlanta. Uh, Sorry, Atlanta, the city winery. Yes. In Atlanta, yes. And you'll you'll be hitting my area at the the Broward Performing Arts Center on the 25th. Um, Then a bunch of dates throughout Florida. Then you also go on a tour on on a cruise, the On the Blue Cruise. Uh, for a few days where you get to hang out with uh, other amazing artists like uh, Justin Hayward. And um, who else is on that tour? Do you know on that on that? Cruise? I have no idea. No, no, no idea. Well, I do know some friends of mine, a band called the Young Dubliners, who are based in L.A., old friends of mine from my days in L.A. radio are also on that cruise. So I know they're fun and, and I'm looking at it longingly. But um, this is something this is not new for you. You've been touring since you started in the music industry some, well, over 50 years ago, yeah? Over 60. Over 60 years. Over 60 years. Wow. And and that's, is, is do you tour out of love or do you tour out of necessity these days? Well, at this point, it's a, it's a little bit of both. Right. I, I guess the internet has kind of, well, has changed things in some ways for the better, but maybe, I don't know, what do you think? Is it better or worse for the artist? It's worse. Yeah. Worse. Uh, and then on top of that, you have Pandora and Spotify that are just not paying the correct royalties to artists. So we are left with playing live, which I've been doing it since I was 16, so... You have been. Can we talk a bit about your history? Because you started, you were just a youngster when you had your first big band. Your first band was actually Traffic, yeah? Uh, was the, it was the first commercially successful band. It's not the first band. Gotcha. So where? how did you start? You, obviously, you grew up in, you were born in England. Um, these days you live over here, but you started there. And how did you get your start? Uh, just um, started with a band called the local, with a band called the Jaguars when I was about, when I was 16. Wow. Um, and then um, that progressed into uh, different incarnations and met up with uh, Jim Capote, had a band called the Sapphires, hmm. and he was the lead singer, sort of did a pretty good Presley impersonation. And... Uh, Turned out Jim could play drums. Mm-hmm. So formed a couple of different bands, the Hellions, the Deep Feeling. And out of that, um, we got to know Steve um, Winwood, and that evolved into Traffic. Wow. Now, you didn't stay with Traffic all that long. You were there, and you left, and you came back. Was that a personality thing? Was it that you were young? What What was all the turmoil within Traffic? Well, most of the... Uh, most of that is in the book, which will be coming out in May. Yes, I am looking forward to that. I'm going to ask you about that. So, uh, basically, I was originally first off. I left after the I left after the first album. I was just it was too there was too much success too fast for me, and um, I just I couldn't deal with it. So I I I, I took a break. And so it was on, was it the first Traffic album that Feeling All Right was on and the instant first hit or no? All right. First, the Traffic's biggest hit was the, it's on the first album, the, which is the first song I'd ever written called, it's a little bit of a nursery rhyme song called Hole in My, Hole in Shoe. my Shoe. Yeah. Um, Feeling All Right was part of the second album. Gotcha. 
And it was after the second album that you left. Who is that in your lap? Is that a little dog? A star. Yeah, say hi, hi, Star. Oh, uh, a dog makes everything better, don't they? It's, I can't imagine being on the road with that one, but there you go. I, I love it. Is that I have, a, have two girls, my wife and the dog. Uh-huh. Is that a Maltese? <laughs> it is. Yeah, I grew up with Maltese. Very sweet. Oh, I love seeing that. Um, I'm sorry, I digress. I, I see a dog and I, di- and I, I go all soft and mushy. Yeah, that's um, it. <laughs> Um, so, so after the second album was released, you left the band, but feeling all right, blew up It actually didn't even really blow up until Joe Cocker covered it sometime later. Right. Or do I have that wrong? Uh, Cocker is really the reason it's got so many, you know, it got, it, it became so successful. And then after Cocker, it's, it's, uh, it, there's, I, it's over 50 major artists that have done it. It's a, and people at every bar band and garage band plays it. So, in fact, in fact, you've you've played. Dave Mason is our guest. You've played and um, with with so many artists on their records. They've played on yours. And there's a story about Michael Jackson singing on one of your songs. And uh, did he say it was because Diana Ross covered "Feeling All Right"? Did I read that um, somewhere? I, no, I guess. The, um, and this, the Jackson Five, um, well, the Jackson Five did feeling all right. They recorded it. Oh, wow. Okay, and so he—that's how he knew you, and he—and you asked him. You were in a recording in a neighboring studio. We were, same, we were at the same recording studio. It was just in a different room, and uh, he was on a break, and I needed a, um, a harmony on something, and he was like, "Sure, um, no problem." Came over and sang. And so, it, yeah. So that was during in the days of Jackson Five when he was still young, or was he already? Michael Jackson. No, I think I think they were in the other studio. I it was either cutting Thriller or. Um, oh wow, yeah, or, I read it was Thriller that he was working on, but yeah, you know better so. than I. Uh, so you, you and again, you so you left Traffic when you decided to step back. Um, you started playing with other artists. Um, it, it, you you uh, you wound up touring with Delaney and Bonnie. Um, how how did that? partnership come together because you spent a lot of time with them right well they were um they were uh i played with delaney and bonnie for about guitar for about i don't know maybe a year mm-hmm. um and got to meet them when i first when i first came moved here in 69 and became friends with them they were part of the la music scene along with leon and Jim Gordon and a lot of those guys were just they were session players here. Delaney mm-hmm. Bonnie, I worked with um, for I I think about a year or so. We went um, uh, even when we toured Europe, but toured U.S. with the um, open for a lot of the the 
the blind faith shows. Yes. And and I, I like to say that you were sort of blind faith adjacent because it's a lot of um, intermingling. A lot of people that you had played with, obviously, uh, Steve Winwood in blind faith. He had been with you in traffic. Um, he gets there's a, a there's a cartoon I came across just uh, recently. It's it's. Um, it's of a, I guess, an old woman talking to children saying, thus the Yardbirds begat cream. Spencer Davis group begat traffic. Cream and traffic begat blind faith and blind faith begat Derek, Derek and the dominoes. And it goes like that. Um, it, it, it was all very incestuous kind of back then, wasn't it? Well, I, I wouldn't say blind faith begat oh. um, Derek and the dominoes. Right. I, that was just... Eric took most of Delaney's band and formed Derek and the Dominant, there of which go. I was part of. Right, you were at the beginning. You should, you, but you weren't on the album, were you? No. And then also Delaney and Bonnie had a huge hit record with my song, Only You Know and I Know. Oh, yes. Um, a lot of people have had, had success with your songs. Um, and again, you know, then you went on to work with their daughter. Becca Bramlett was, was their daughter, was she not? Becker's the daughter. Um, I I didn't go on to work with her. I mean, that's been in more recent mm-hmm. years. She was. I mean, she was part of the the Fleetwood Mac incarnation that I did for a couple of years. Right. Um, Fleetwood Mac is another you know band that's gone through so much. And in fact, you recently during the pandemic put out a video. You called yourselves the Quarantines, and you were joined by Mick Fleetwood. Um, and a few of the members of the Doobie Brothers, Sammy Hagar. I'm not quite sure how he fits in this um, this configuration, but a, a bunch of great artists got together to um, to do a song via d- remotely during the pandemic. Um, yeah, I was uh, kept being asked to put. You know, whilst we were all sequestered, do something. Since a lot of artists were were doing, I guess, performances um, on the internet and putting it out there which I really wasn't too far up for doing. So I, I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe I can get a few people, friends that I know might want to participate in a version of feeling all right. Um, just a good vibe thing. So, um, yeah, it was, um, the John, the three of the Doobie brothers, mm-hmm. um, with, uh, John, um, Michael McDonald, Michael McDonald, uh, right. Sammy Hagar, Mick, who I, of course I know and have known for some time. Um, and yeah, and we just decided to put this little version of Feeling All Right, which was obviously done uh, remotely. Everybody did their piece and then it was all sort of pieced together, uh, which, and it came together amazingly well considering we were all scattered all over the place. Seems I've got to have a change of scene Every night, have the strangest dream Prison by the way it might have been Left here on my own a sort of sea well I've got to leave before I start to scream Someone locked the door and took the key 
Okay, I'm going to pot this down and just forward a little bit ahead in the video because I got a copyright warning. So let's move back to the interview. Sorry about that. Here we go. It really is. It's wonderful. Now, you you also have gone back. I mean, look, you've got this uh, library, this uh, this collection of amazing songs that you've written over the years. Um, Again, that I grew up with. You went back to the album uh, Alone Again. And um, and screwed and that up too. Reimagined it. Um, tell us about that, please. Why why did you decide to alone re- together? Uh, alone yeah. together. Sorry, alone together. Together, I redid as alone together again. Mostly together again. Uh, I mean, it just start, well. It just basically started out with redoing a song called "World in Changes" that was on there. Great song. But 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 completely completely different from the original. Uh, it's, it has a reggae feel. Uh, um, and it just then actually mostly got I decided to redo the whole thing mostly because all those master tapes got burned up in the universal fire oh right uh, a lot of people don't realize that, that that this was a thing it was what five six years ago already universal had a collection they were stored on the universal lot in California in Los Angeles where yeah. they kept all the music masters and there were so many priceless pieces of tape there that all just burned it's uh, it's 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 almost it, it's it's unbelievable that that could happen so you're the masters for alone together were part of that I, i'm so sorry that was yeah. heartbreaking the news of that day was just terrifying um and so you decided to to re-record everything just is it part to replace it and part to update everything because it had been 50 years well, I redid. They're pretty much. They're pretty, except for world and changes. They're all pretty much the same arrangements. Just a little adding different things here and there. Um, John McPhee plays great banjo on just a song, um, and um, but basically pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it just 
And and plus this time I get to own the masters. So well, that's the difference. I love the um, the two album covers. What I have up on the screen now is on the left the original Alone Together album cover, and then the Dave Mason Alone Together again cover. And there you are. It looks like on the same co- sort of mountainside, uh, just in a in a different part of it, and 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 a little bit older. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly. Um, uh, you know, uh, people know you. They, we know your music. We know your history with traffic. But what a lot of people may not know are how many other records you played on and, and, and riffs that we know. For instance, at the beginning of this song, if this will play, and of course it doesn't want to play. Come on. Um, always, my studio gremlins get me every time. Hold on. I can play it from here, I believe. All right. Let's hopefully you can hear this. Let's try it this way. Yes. Wow. Nothing wants to work this morning. Uh, I guess it's early for me. I was going to play. It'll it'll kick in in a second. Here we go. Now we hear the 12 string acoustic guitar there before Jimmy's guitar kicks in there. That 12 string acoustic. That's you. Yeah. 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 Um, tell us about Jimi Hendrix. In fact, you guys first heard all along the watchtower together for the first time, or he heard it for the first time with you. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was somewhere. I think it was a John Wesley Harding album. Yeah. It was originally on. So I guess something tweaked him and he decided that he wanted to record it. And, uh, yeah. And, I guess we were, I finished up the studio with him and that's how all that really happened. Wow. So what was it like? Did, did you, did you know that Hendrix was Hendrix when you knew him? Did you, did you think this is going to be, no, this man is going to be known as the best guitar player in the world? Uh, I had seen him, um, Actually, McCartney, I think McCartney, we may have been there at the same night, I get maybe, or it was a, di- or it was a different night. Uh, was there, I think the, I think, this little club called Scotchy St. James. I think Jimmy had got, got up and jammed with the band there. He just moved there. So pretty much, um, yeah, he was, I mean, he was. There's a lot of great guitar players. There are no more Jimi Hendrixes. No. Well, and we, and we just lost Jeff Beck as well. And you, look, again, you're you're sort of Jeff Beck adjacent, but you didn't you never worked with him, did you? You guys have no. worked with a lot of the same people through the years. No, um, I don't know. I never I don't know him. Hmm. I, um no, I never really met him. I think we may have we may have been on some concerts back when I was in traffic in the early days in Europe together, but I, I, I know, I don't know him. Great guitar player. Oh, very much so. So as you worked with Hendrix and you worked with a number of other bands, you mentioned briefly, you, you were with Fleetwood Mac, but Fleetwood Mac also, so many people just know them from their, you know, their biggest incarnation, but they started as a blues band, um, with Peter Green and Oh, well, and amazing guitar work. And, um, you played with with an incarnation of Fleetwood Mac that was not Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks, um, but did you work with Christine McVie? Uh, I did not. I, she was part of the uh, the album called Time, but no, she she had some other guitar player she wanted to play on her stuff. Oh no! 
it was very peaceful. It was was it's it's all it's it's all in the book well tell us tell us about the book so you're writing a book you're it's going to be out you said in may books done it's just Uh it's set to come out in may and obviously called only you know and i know um so yeah it's supposed it's supposedly slated to come out in may hopefully that will be the case and we'll see I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to read it. So you, you again, you're embarking on this tour. Um, in fact, this again, we're 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 taping it Monday morning. I'm going to run it on Friday, and then I'll be seeing you in Fort Lauderdale the following Wednesday. You will have kicked off the tour at City Winery in Atlanta. Then you go down to Charleston, South Carolina, to the Charleston Music Hall, and then I'll see you in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, but then you're you're throughout Florida. You go to Vero Beach. You go to Orlando and Clearwater. Ponte Verde, um, and with the with the blue with the uh, on the blue cruise in the middle there, before you head up to Atlanta, Nashville, Kent, Ohio, Detroit, Nashville, Cincinnati, and Chicago. So I'm letting people know because we've got listeners all over the place that those are the dates of this tour. And also Nashville, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and also then we play Nashville, Indiana. Oh. Okay. Oh, I see. Oh, that's the two Nashvilles. I see Nashville, Tennessee on February 10th, Nashville, Indiana on February 17th. Got it. Um, tell who's in the band. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I said, who's in the band? Uh, well, same, uh, John Sambatero has been with me for, gosh, John is on, on almost 40 years. He's played with me. Um, <laughs> Uh, Ray Cardwell is on bass, uh, pretty new. He's basically almost a year. Um, And Tony Pathless keyboards, who Mm -hmm. has played with me on and off over the last uh, seven or eight years. He's back in the band. And then we just have a brand, which we're right now where I'm sitting in um, on my bus here. Uh, And after this, I'll be jumping out to go rehearse with our new drummer. Uh, Marty Farah, who actually, um, uh, he lives on Maui. Oh, wow. And um, so we're here rehearsing at some friends of mine. They have a uh, beautiful big ranch up here in the in the, in the mountains, in, uh, which I'm actually talking to them about um, finally maybe getting my, fest- my festival together, which I've been t- trying to work on for years. So, ah. So Trying to piece together the Feeling All Right Festival. That's intriguing. So who who would be on your wish list to be in a part of the Feeling All Right Festival? I, I, it's not going to be my my thing. Is that I'm um, I mean I've been trying to to put together a cruise for the last ten years, but my see I, I don't want just music. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it would the music could probably be somewhat mixed. It's not going to be any one style. Um, other than there won't be any rap music. Okay. Uh, I'm with you on that. <laughs> uh, Not there. there. Any rap, uh, cause, um, and then, but I want other things in there. See, I want to do c- comedy as well. Music, comedy, and some magic. Oh, <laughs> that's intriguing. Yeah. And I'd like to make it, you know, an ex- more of a fun experience where I, you know, I think people, Obviously, you know, there's either blues festivals or jazz festivals or rock festivals or, you know, people have, you know, people's tastes vary 
other than just one genre of things. Mm. I think in terms of a festival, and probably would include yoga. My wife is, is teaches yoga, is very into it. It's just a great little book, uh, too, called Down Dog for Road Dogs, <laughs> since she's <laughs> out in the road with me. Love it. And, uh, so that's what I'm, we're, we're trying to discuss in, uh, about maybe kicking this off in 2024. We'll see. That would be great. I, I look forward to all of this. Um, what can we expect on this tour? Is it, is it, I, I, I'm, what I'm hoping for is a little bit of the stories that maybe are going to be in your book along with the songs and telling us how they came or is it just go through the music and play the rock and roll? It's mostly the music. Um, goes from, you know, obviously there's some traffic stuff in there. And then I tried, I try to pull stuff from my career, obviously over the years. I'm, obviously there's always something that we, we didn't do that somebody wanted to hear, but. That's what happens when you've got a lot of great songs that we have known for years. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm a little too old to be standing up on stage for three to four hours. <laughs> Well, Bruce Springsteen still does it. Just, you know, just I mean, saying. He, he's 76 either. Uh, right, that's true. Yeah, You've got a few years on him. Um, I want to play one more, uh, another clip that, again, I did not know this was you until very recently. And you got to listen carefully to uh, if it plays. Will it play from here? No, I've got to play it from here again. Um, it's uh, you're not playing guitar here. Um, I want to ask you what instrument you're playing on this. Is it something called a Shenhai? Oh, I don't know what you're playing because I oh, can't hear. Oh, you couldn't hear it. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the end of Street Fighting Man by uh, the Rolling Stones. Uh, Fighting Man were playing drums and a little wind instrument on the end there. That's the, but it's the internet says it's something called the Shenhai that I'd never heard of before. It's an Indian instrument. It's just a little bit on the end, but mostly I'm, mostly I'm part of the, um, myself, Brian and Charlie are playing the drums on that track. Wow. So tell us about the the working with the stones. How did that come about and how long did you um, play with them? Uh, uh, Just on one record or more? I just was there for the set. I knew Brian Jones and Brian and I hang out together, so I knew Brian um, quite a bit. Um, and they, we all, everybody record used the same recording studios, same engineers. So it was, you know, it was and also London, mm. mostly, every, and everybody was there. So it, you know, you constantly bumped in or ran into, or you know, sessions would overlap between groups mm-hmm. and so same engineer, same producer, Jimmy Miller. So, you know, you could, you'd often go and hang out at someone's session. Right. Ah, then that's when the magic was made, I guess. I was, basically that's all I was doing. It was like, well, Hey, come, you know, Mason, come on, play this. Okay. <laughs> do you have, do you have any favorites that gems like that, that we might not know it's you playing on, but songs that you're particularly proud of? Uh, well, I think probably over the years with the interviews, everybody pretty much knows what I played and haven't played on. <laughs> and if I missed anything, it's going to be in the book. It'll be in so, the book. Uh, but there's, you know, there's, 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, they've all been, you know, the, that I was able to be on them have been great. I'll bet. I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking okay. forward to the book. Uh, only you know and I know it'll be out in May, we hope. I'll keep tabs on that and let people know. You know, I found you. You are Your website is davemasonmusic.com. And you're pretty, per, you're, you, you engage with people on Facebook as well. Also, Dave Mason Music is your, is your uh, handle in all these places. I was reading on Facebook when you were talking about the tour that's starting this week. Um, and somebody said, I saw you at the Miami Marine Stadium back in 1976. I was mm-hmm. there. I was there. You know, okay. I couldn't remember where I had seen you, and I read that post. It's like, oh, my God, that's where it was. The Miami Marine Stadium was just a wonderful venue that is still sitting there, sort of like a ghost town. It's in disrepair. Miami doesn't know what to do with it. It's really a shame because what a great place that was, and I remember that show. Just Well, this is a great place, too. The, 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 I played the last but one show. Yeah, the Marine Stadium, exactly. Right. I played I play the last... The last but one show that was ever done there. Oh, wow. And that's probably, you know, one of the times I saw you. I I saw you over the years. uh, You know, I spent many years doing rock and roll (laughs) radio uh, in Los Angeles mostly. And so the the memories get foggy, as I'm I'm sure I don't have to tell you. But um, I I do know how much I've enjoyed your music through the years and what what an honor this is. I'm so excited to see you on Wednesday night. And the show begins at 7. Is there a, an opening band or do you start at seven? Um, I'm not sh- I, I, I think so. I'm not exactly sure, to be honest with you. Okay, well, we'll get there early just to make sure. I get off the air at six. We'll zip out to Fort Lauderdale because I don't want to miss a note. Um, Dave Mason, what a treat this is. Um, I'm so glad you're still touring. And I'm hoping you're doing it because you love it. I know that... that Everything has changed. Um, you know, uh, like I said, I used to be on on the radio, and these days I do the thing on the internet and uh, work, uh, hopefully, directly with listeners who support my program. Um, what do you say to young people just starting out in the music industry today? I mean, I don't. I I guess if I was just starting out, I'd figure something out. But I haven't. You know, I have. You know, the sad thing is, is that there's. See the thing. Is is the terrestrial radio is still a very powerful media? But there's nobody home, right? And you know, back back when we were doing albums, I mean, DJs like yourself would often go. You know, you play a classic with Dave Mason, whatever, and you go, "Hey, you got to check out the new one here," and, and you'd spin it, you know, yep. and you tell, and people would know, and that's how. I don't, you know, you're. you're you're just throwing, it's like throwing shit up against the wall here these days. It's just, and you're in a worldwide supermarket called the internet. And it's. And I'll tell you what's really frustrating is, especially for people like me, a frustrated old disc jockey doing talk radio now is, you know, a, a lot of my audience finds the show on YouTube. Well, I can't play music on YouTube. I've been suspended from streaming more times than I can tell you because I played a few seconds of a song. I hope that doesn't happen from along the Watchtower or Street Fighting Man. But I wouldn't be surprised if it did. You know, I don't know why the labels don't work with us. And let me say, all right, I'm going to interview Dave Mason. I want to play a few of his songs. Let me pay to put those songs in my show. But there's no mechanism to even do that right now. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, please, I, (laughs) 
I mean, it's the internet is a double-edged sword. It's a great little tool, but it's just it's decimated intellectual property. Yeah, yeah because you have no controls over it. It's it's out there. And no control, and 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 no, and everybody's stealing everything. Yeah, and and those of us who would like to do it legitimately, like, I want to play some of your songs for my listeners, but I can't. That's yeah. you know. It's it's asinine. I should be able to pay a fee per song to put it in my show, and it, that doesn't happen. Instead, I just get blocked worldwide, and maybe copyright violated, so so I can't stream anymore. It's it, it is a conundrum that they're going to have to deal with. They should have dealt with it years ago. Well, well, it'd be nice to just you know for you know, but again, it's probably money and profit. So that's why there's no DJs anymore yep. on terrestrial radio. And it's just boring. It's just, you know, classic rock radio. They played it over and over, just the same crap that, you know, again and again and again. Everything you got at home already. Yeah. You know. No, I know. You're you're living on the West Coast. You're living in California now? I live in Nevada. Oh, in Nevada. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I was good because the rate, the kind of radio music radio that I did still exists in a handful of places, not Nevada. There's, there's a station in, in Chicago. There's a station in Philadelphia, you know, AAA. We were adventurous. We could play a classic Dave Mason song and say, listen to what he's doing now. And, and those stations really don't exist anymore because we were niche. Um, No, no, it's, 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 it's tragic because for artists, and, and like I said, I don't, really know i mean i think probably more so than it seems that for young artists it's it's more uh, there's a big visual aspect tied to what you're doing as a young artist i don't know any other way that you promote yourself youtube and the rest of the whatever but 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 straight up songs and stuff are there any new artists that you found that that you that you like that you would like to champion their work? Uh, a good friend of mine is uh, is Malcolm McDowell, and his his son um, is I mean one of the only outlets that he can do. Basically, I mean he was with a label; they just gave up on it. Um, but the, uh, he, I think he's on American Idol or one of those shows. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, so that's, that. you know, that's about it. Otherwise, I, I, again, I really have no idea how you get exposed anymore. No, I don't either. I, I, I guess that, you know, we remember the old days and thankfully we still have the records and the music um, lives on forever. Dave Mason, you've given us many, many years of just incredible music and you still continue to do it. And I thank you for that. The tour is well, is in progress. It's the endangered species tour was, is there the obvious reason for the title, the name of the tour? Hey, you know, I mean, we just lost Christy McVeigh and Jeff. I know. Right in that bracket there somewhere. I hear you. I hear you. Well, and obviously from, it's a little tongue in cheek as well. So of course, well, thank you. Thank you for doing it. Thank you for touring. I know that the show in Fort Lauderdale is just about sold out, but go anyway. I know there's some a few resale tickets available. Uh, and, and there's all those other ta- dates. So DaveMasonMusic.com, the entire itinerary is there. Um, 
it, seeing Dave Mason is a treat. So if you get the chance, take advantage of it. Dave, it was a pleasure meeting you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And hopefully I get to say hi on Wednesday night. You're welcome, Nicole. Thank you. Thank you so much. Dave Mason, there you go. I hope you enjoyed that. I know, look, we got off to a slow start. I think it got, you know, he warmed up. Maybe he just woke up because it was um, uh, Monday morning. Uh, But I think once we connected, I think it was Star, the dog. Dogs always bring people together. All right. um, And now we're done. It is the weekend. Uh, I will post the the video, <clears throat> the feeling all right video, on the page where I post the whole show. It'll be at nicolesandler.com slash one dash twenty dash twenty three, and I'll I'll embed the video there of the feeling all right by the quarantines. Sorry, I had to cut it off. I was afraid YouTube was going to stop the video, and I didn't want that to happen. All right, so we're done. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. Happy Chinese New Year, Year of the Rabbit. Um, Tomorrow, talk to people. Use your voice because it's the day that free speech was killed 13 years ago. And um, Sunday, you know, uh, keep in mind a woman's right to do with her body what she uh, should have providence over, if that's the right word. It's Friday. I'm done. Thank you again. I'll leave you with the news. I'll see you Monday. Jason Leopold will be here. And um, that's it. Bye. It's time for Nicole Sandler. What's news from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. Welcome to a weekend filled with notable anniversaries. Some worth celebrating, others not so much. Friday marks the second anniversary of Joe Biden's inauguration as our nation's 46th president, which Sorry, I hit the wrong button again. Hold on, hold on, hold on. President, which finally put an end to the four-year nightmare that was the Trump administration. Saturday falls on January 21st, marking an awful day for free speech. In 2010, 13 years ago, the Supreme Court handed down its decision in the landmark Citizens United versus FEC. The court held 5-4 that the free speech clause of the First Amendment prohibits the government from restricting independent expenditures for political campaigns by corporations, including nonprofit corporations, labor unions, and other associations. Basically, they threw the door wide open to dark money and unbridled super PACs. Then, to make this anniversary even worse, a few hours after that decision came down. Nicole Sandler. You're listening to Nicole Sandler on Air America Radio. On January 21st, 2010, Air America Radio filed for bankruptcy and seized operations. Sunday marks the 50th anniversary of the passage of Roe v. Wade. That's the Supreme Court ruling that said a person may choose to have an abortion until a fetus becomes viable based on the right to privacy contained in the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. Viability means the ability to live outside the womb, which usually happens between 24 and 28 weeks after conception. Sadly, today's extreme court overturned Roe just shy of this 50th anniversary, and a decision leaked in May, weeks before it would officially be announced. Well, we learned on Thursday that the court's investigators were unable to identify just who leaked the decision. Meanwhile, protesters will gather in March in support of reproductive rights, as they have every year on this anniversary, this time under the umbrella of Bigger Than Roe. 
and on the other side, anti-abortion protesters gathering Friday at their 50th annual March for Life with the theme, Next Steps, Marching in a Post-Row America. Happy weekend, everyone. President Biden on Thursday made his first public remarks since a few classified documents from his time as vice president were found at his private Washington, D.C. office and at his home in Wilmington, Delaware. He was asked about not revealing earlier that those documents had been discovered. He said, I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. The first documents were found on November 2nd, days before the midterm elections, but they weren't publicly revealed until last week when CBS first reported their existence. The White House has pledged full cooperation with the investigation, but is largely downplaying the political effects of the probe. It does need to be stated, though, that this is a completely different situation than the hundreds of documents that the former President Trump took, refused to return even after 18 months of negotiations with the National Archives, and he still lied about them. Just saying. Prosecutors on Thursday announced that they plan to charge actor Alec Baldwin with involuntary manslaughter in the fatal shooting of cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the set of the movie Rust in New Mexico in 2021. The film's armorer will also be charged, but the first assistant director has agreed to plead guilty to the charge of negligent use of a deadly weapon. Prosecutors said they knew pretty close to the beginning of their probe into the shooting that criminal charges would be filed. And with everything else going on, this one kind of flew under the radar. But a federal judge in Florida on Thursday ordered the former president and his lawyer, Alina Haba, to pay almost a million dollars in sanctions to 31 defendants in a lawsuit they filed last year, alleging a vast conspiracy against Donald Trump in the 2016 presidential election. U.S. District Judge Donald Middlebrooks throughout the lawsuit in September. He fined the attorney Haba $50,000 to pay the legal fees of one of the defendants, Charles Dolan. This $938,000 penalty will be divided among the other defendants, including Trump's 2016 Democratic rival, Hillary Clinton. Here's just part of the judge's scathing ruling, quote, the lawsuit was completely frivolous, both factually and legally, and was brought in bad faith for an improper person. No reasonable lawyer would have filed it. And finally, speak up. You gotta speak up singer, songwriter, guitarist David Crosby, an original member of The Birds, a founder of Crosby, Stills & Nash, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, and all other permutations, has died. It was just eight months ago that Crosby officially retired, saying he was done performing live, that he was too old. Though he did say in December that he had changed his mind. Anyway, he continued recording at what he called a startling rate. He said, now I'm 80 years old, so I'm going to die fairly soon. That's how that works. And so I'm trying really hard to crank out as much music as I possibly can, as long as it's really good. Hopefully we'll get to hear some of that music that he recorded in his final years. David Crosby was 81 years old. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports on the Nicole Sandler Show, uh, I hope you'll make a contribution. My work is 100% listener supported and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com and please click on that donate button. I don't know why the file got cut off, but it did. So I finished it live. All right. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'll see you Monday. Bye.